This is Team Business Podcast. Team Business uncovers the everyday entrepreneurs why, how, and the road to now. With hosts Mike Fusco and Ray Ramirez. Join us to learn how game-changing founders act on their vision and build a team for success. And now, here are your hosts, Mike and Ray. Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining Ray and I on another episode of Team Business Podcast. This is episode number 16. Wow. Can't believe it. Amazing. Uh, We're in March. The NCAA tournament, man, it's pretty wild, huh? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, not what I expected. <laughs> no, nah, the Big Ten really fizzled out. Well, how embarrassing. Um, I'm excited about our episode today. It's a little different than what we've what we've uh, had on in terms of our guests, but it kind of talks to our overall theme, building team, and building business, and building company culture. Yeah, definitely. Uh, our guests, they were, uh, definitely have a uh, seasoned expert in that arena. I'm very excited to have them on board today. Yeah, this gentleman is uh, comes from us from uh, Portugal, by way of the UK, by way of uh, originally from South Africa, and he's a guy who his career has been based on, you know, building a culture and team, helping other people build a culture in their business, and now he has clients specifically where he uh, teaches them about building culture and, and doing a better job of int- implementing the culture into their company. Uh, Ray, what do you? He's an author. He also he's he's authored two books. And he's the CEO of a tech-based uh, culture platform. Cool. Um, what do you know about him? Well, like I said before, he's uh, his, he's made a career in working with com- directly with companies in helping them connect the dots between re- their corporate objectives and tying that in with company culture. Because because uh, he understands that any successful company has to have their culture dialed in in order to meet their goals. And if you're a company out there that can't see that or hasn't seen that, then you're behind the times. Majorly. We're going to be back. uh, Ray and I are going to be back after this intro to introduce our guest and bring him on. Thanks for joining. Team Business. Ray, I think you said it perfectly as we finished up the first segment there. I think a, an overall theme that we see here on our show is successful business owners understand cult, company culture. They just, they get it. Yeah. Well, they get the importance of it. Yeah. Where it fits into their whole, the corporate environment. They understand the importance of people, their team. Now, do they understand how to, once they understand the vision, once they understand the model, maybe they don't understand how to implement it or what to do next. But they know that having the right team of people and treating them well and having the mutual respect between the group is super important. Yeah, and I think intuitively they, 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 they feel it, they, they see it, the importance, and, and, and at least as a starting point helps guide them. But once they get more into the trenches and the ebb and flow of their company, that's where they need a seasoned professional like we have Brett Putter coming on today. Yeah, Brett is an author, as I said, a, a two-book author working on his third. He's also the CEO of a company called Culture Gene. And we're going to have him on. He's going to talk about his studies surrounding company culture, uh, what he's doing now, and the million-dollar question. 
what have his clients done to continue their culture that they've worked so hard to implement while moving to a more virtual or hybrid type working situation? Yeah, I mean, that is the million dollar uh, question for any company these days, especially with COVID-19. And he is, if you need an expert to help guide you in that arena as, as you're navigating remote work, he's your guy. I think that something that you're going to hear from him and something that we've probably heard from most is that remote work is here to stay. It's not going to go anywhere. Yeah. You know, it might not be 100% re remote workers, but working remotely in addition to working in an office in a hybrid type situation is here to stay. I mean, that's just something that business owners need to prepare for. Yeah, but and, and, but again, it's like, and that's where the necessity for having a plan of action and how to navigate those waters is very important because when you're working high, when you have a hybrid human capital out there working for you, I mean, that's a slippery slope because essentially there's different, different demographics of employees and you have to be able to handle and manage those employees equally. And if you don't have a plan set for that, it could, it could cause you more harm than good. So without further ado, uh, we're going to have Brett come on here in just a few seconds and introduce him on the Team Business Podcast. Thank you again for joining. Thank you. Team Business. Thank you, everyone, for joining us on another episode of the Team Business Podcast. Ray and I are really excited to introduce Brett Putter. Brett is, the, is an author and also the CEO of Culture Gene. Brett, thanks so much for joining us today. Well, thank you, Brett. Well, really, my pleasure to be talking to you guys. It's, uh, it, it's, it's great to spend some time just uh, talking about what's something that I'm, I love and I'm passionate about. Yeah, this is, it couldn't be a better fit for us and what we talk about on the Team Business Podcast. And Brett is the perfect guest for this. And uh, we appreciate him taking time and being over in Europe, working late to be with us. So thanks, man. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Before we get started, we just want to introduce you you know, your company, you know, what you, what, what, uh, client type of clients you serve and, and the products and services you offer, if you wouldn't mind. Sure. Um, so culture gene is a company culture software development platform. So we help, um, typically small to medium and a few large companies define embed and manage their culture. So, um, we've built a process where we take companies through the three stages of defining, embedding, and managing their culture. Um, and typically, our real sweet spot is um, companies that are growing rapidly. And the, it's, it's sort of like you, you, you're driving on a, in a car when you're going at 60, 60 miles an hour, and it feels like the wheel might not be there all. And then all of a sudden, if you're doing 120, you know you're about to have an accident. So it's sort of high growth companies that that are the right. sweet spot for us. And it can't be a better time to teach companies how to transition from, you know, their office environments to remote work, right? I mean, I, I know that's something that you guys have a big focus in. Yeah, absolutely. It's something that we've done a real deep dive into understanding what remote companies do, what they do differently, and what the best practices are. So yeah, we are we're um, ideally primed for that. Absolutely, great. Well, before we get more into the crunks of uh, team building and culture building, uh, let's stick a little bit about um, a running history about yourself here. So as far as tell us a little bit more about your own background and uh, kind of um, your upbringing to what got you into uh, 
talent acquisition and uh, culture building? Sure. So um, I'm originally from South Africa um, okay. and I, I, I moved over to the UK in 99. Um, I, I, I didn't realize it, but I was actually frustrated with the South African environment. And I got to the UK and I was like, wow, this place is just completely different and a much bigger pond to play in, which I, which I really liked. And I, um, I, I decided that I wanted to be part of the sort of high growth tech scene. So I invested in a, a executive search firm and then started as a managing partner there and ran the business for 16 years. And um, we worked with typically high growth companies expanding to the US and then US companies expanding into Europe. And um, about then four and a half years ago, I set up Culture Gene to focus on company culture because I'd, I'd, I'd seen the light, the penny had dropped. Um, and I realized that culture was the missing link for most companies. Uh, I was really fortunate to get that opportunity to to step out and 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 do you know work on my passion. Perfect. Thank you, Brett. What what about company culture do you think is so important? And I know that might be a really on the surface question, but just what what about it attracts you to it, and why do you think it's so important for companies to have a good culture to continue to grow and to do well? Uh, it's actually it's a great question. Um, the thing about company culture is it's largely invisible, subconscious, and intangible. So, you know, people don't get it. They can't touch it. They can't feel it often. Um, and the best leaders make it visible, conscious, and tangible. I, when, I, when I was doing the research for my book, Own Your Culture, I, I had to speak to over 500 companies to be able to interview just over 50 that had done a good job of embedding their culture. And I spoke to companies in Europe, in Canada, in North, in the US, uh, in Africa. So it, it literally, this is, I realized this is, the, there is this major gap. It's not that CEOs and leaders don't want to build a strong culture. They just don't know how. Right. And so, you know, for me, it was, let's, let's actually turn this thing that's amorphous into something that's very tangible and an asset for the business. Now, do you think, they don't know how. Do you think building culture has to do with their own personal characteristics and the traits of the, of the leader? Or do you think it's really a system or a mix of both? It's a mix of both. It's, yeah. a, it's, a, it's a lot to do with ego and it's a lot to do with emotional, emotional intelligence. So if, you're, if you have an IEQ, sorry, a high EQ, um, you have just a natural sense of people and how people work, which means that you kind of, you, you sort of have, you have a natural tendency to get culture. Right. If you yeah. don't have that, then, then you need a system. You need, you need something that says, okay, do this, then do this, then do this, because that's the, that'll be the outcome of what you're going to achieve. So it's a mix of both. Um, the best, the best companies and CEOs I work with have, have an innate sense of, how important it is, but don't know what to do next. They've done their values and mission and vision, but now, yeah. okay, what do we do? What do we do? Yeah. Yeah. So before I go back to Ray with his next question, tell us about the books that you've written. I mean, I'm always amazed by, yeah. and I know you have, you've written three and you're currently working on your, oh, you've written two and you're on your third. Correct. 
Okay. So you've written two. Sorry about that. You've written two. You're currently working on your third. I mean, it's got to be yeah. such an undertaking, man, to, to, to author a book. I mean, I just, it's amazing it's, to me. It's, it's, a, it's a real undertaking. It's a real <laughs> undertaking because I'm not a very good writer at all. I can hardly, <laughs> laugh, I can hardly laugh. I can honestly hardly laugh in English. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's actually, for me, it's, it's just, I have to get this information out. Right. And it's almost so against much, yeah. my best will. It's literally my brain is saying, you're an idiot, don't do this. And something else is saying, do it anyway. And so, so you know, the, the, the first book, Culture Decks Decoded, is really a deconstruction of the, the best culture decks on the web. So Netflix um, were the first company to sort of post their culture deck, 125 slide deck on the web. And Sheryl Sandberg believes it's the most important document to come out of Silicon Valley. And then a bunch wow. of companies followed on from that because it was so insightful and so valuable. And I realized that you can't copy one deck, but you can take the best of multiple decks. So that's what Culture Decks Decoded is. But then Own Your Culture is sort of a synthesis of the interviews I did. And it's a very tactical book of if you want to know how a remote company, what the best practices for a remote company hiring process, it's in the book. If you want to know what, how to deal with brilliant jerks and bad hires, it's in the book. If you want to know about diversity and inclusion, it's in the book. And it's actual examples of what companies do on a day-to-day basis in the trenches. So real life examples, how you deal with certain situations, that sounds awesome. Right. Both books sound great. Yeah. Both books sound great. Well, congrats on that, man. I, you know, I, like you say, I mean, you have all this information, you have all this knowledge, but putting it on papers. Well, wow. I mean, well, I mean, to me, when he says that, uh, even though it's, it's, it's uh, against his, yeah, uh, against what he wants to do, but yeah, he has to get it out to me. Just that screams passion. Yeah. You have a passion for it. That's, that's awesome here. Um, you mentioned before that you work with, basically all size companies, small, medium, large. I mean, each one of these companies has its own, own so, set of challenges when it comes to building company culture. You mentioned sometimes struggling with the owner's ego. Uh, company size also can mean, you know, their challenges are lack of resources, lack of uh, being able to afford uh, a human resource person. And obviously human resource, that's a pretty broad term in this arena because obviously not every human resource person is equal. <laughs> been on uh, on their experience and whatnot right. but and obviously the, the ultimate so far that we're dealing with is covid i mean for you uh as far as because i deal personally myself with lots of human resources individuals and their mainstay is you know trying to build culture whatnot but there's always that still that rift between human resources and ownership and ownership it looks at just well not all ownership but a lot of it do you look at the bottom line and, and typically what I'm de- when I'm dealing with is human resource individuals who are strapped for resources, strapped for monies yeah. in order to basically deliver that corporate objective. How do you, in that scenario, how, like, how do you attack that particular scenario? Because that scenario to me is a dime a dozen. Yeah, it's, 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 it's way, way, way too regular and way too um, uh, consistent. And I, 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 I feel for you. I'm, to be honest, I'm in a situation where, and it's a really fortunate situation. So I'm in a situation where I choose who I want to work with. 
I don't, I, if, yeah. if, if I, if I, if the people, if the human resources or the human resources or the, or the VP of people or wherever it is, is really passionate about this. And I have a, because I have to have a conversation with the CEO. I have to talk to the CEO and go, okay, can I work with you? Because I'm not just going to work with HR to change your culture. I'm going to work with you to change how you operate and your culture. So, so it's, it's a, it's a, this isn't just, you know, the, the, the right hand is the right hand is learning to shake the left. Yeah, it's not like they're operating separately. So I have to see eye to eye with the CEO. And if I don't, then I just go and I say, okay, hands up. You know, I don't, I'm not insulting or anything, but I just say, you know, got another gig, don't have time for this one or don't have space for this one. I find an excuse that works, but basically, sure. if if I, but that's that's mainly because I'm not. You know, I'm not scaling this business. I'm not. I'm not growing it to a to a hundred percent. I just work with the people I believe I can work with. Makes sense. And did it take you a while to get to that point? Yeah. Well, I, I guess so. I huh? had, Trials, tribs. I had to. I had to um, get the scars on my back. To um, I had to go <laughs> through some pain. I had yeah. to. I've worked yeah. with. I've even worked with awesome COOs who I worked, I, the COO was going to drive it and I spoke to the CEO and we were all in and, you know, it was all great. And then when I said to the C, CEO, the COO was like, okay, cool, we're going to do this. And then when I went to the CEO, I said, okay, I'd like you to change the way you do your meeting so that you include this piece of culture. And the CEO went, I just thought you were going to do this with them. <laughs> i know oh, right okay, <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. let me give let me give you your money back let's not go <laughs> yeah, so let me ask you a question brett so COVID 19 has pushed out of you know no one's uh own uh, because of COVID, it just changed the way we do business and so remote work first question is do you think remote work's here to stay yeah I, well i'm i think working remotely is here to stay. I don't think everybody's going to go to remote work because remote work is, is, is a different, you know, I've studied a bunch of remote work companies and Hotjar, GitLab, Buffer hire very specifically for remote work capabilities. And most companies that were pre pre COVID office based had no idea about this. And so so they have a percentage of their people who want to work in an office. The remote work companies have people who don't want to work in an office and they are very happy not working in an office. So I think working remotely as in a hybrid model is definitely here to stay. And uh, I'm, I'm from the walk life that I, I like coming into the office. I mean, obviously I like working remotely, but I think it's important coming into an office environment. From my perspective, it's more of a, like you have to get to know the company. It's easier to get to know the company culture that way, get to know also your senior leadership. And like, if I were, I mean, I'm not exactly that young anymore, but if I were a younger employee, it's kind of when you're a younger employee, you kind of look around the office and you, you look at the senior people in the office and you, you know, copy and observe, see how they carry themselves. And you learn from that. Plus, you make a lot of friendships in the office too. Exactly, and then from a come from a promotion standpoint, if I'm a younger employee, like if it's kind of harder for senior leadership to get to know you from a remote standpoint, for you to get noticed. So I, I would 
I wouldn't even fathom that someone who works remotely works worth um, versus someone who doesn't. I would think the person who doesn't has a leg up. Well, what you're talking about here is the big problem of post-COVID work. Yeah. So this, what you've just done is you've just encapsulated the challenges that companies are going to have because there are very few companies, Goldman Sachs may be one of them, but there are very few companies that say, you're all going to come back into the office now because people have worked out that they do actually like spending time with their family and they do like doing other stuff, but they also want to connect. So I've got a client, 75 people. They've got their professional service services team will come in once a week to the office. Their engineering team are now fully remote. Their sales team, the, a, the SDRs will come in uh, four days a week. The AEs will come in two days a week, Monday and Friday. The marketing team will come in once every two weeks. And the customer service team will come in twice a week and on different days. So you've got this multi-variance, multi-everything multi going on there. And yep. that's a company that, 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 that ultimately what they went to the, their team and said, their teams and said, how do you want to work? And now they're going to have to try and mold this into a system whereby they overlap teams, they overlap people, and they get people into the same room at the same time so that they can build culture. So you're not going to be able to rely on an office as much as you thought you could. And in the UK, we've seen a lot of, a lot of situations where the office was open when it was when, when after the first lockdown. And, it was, and six people out of, out of 74 came into the office, 75. <laughs> so it's, this is something that's going to play out. But ultimately, yeah. what, ultimately what you're talking about is, is the, 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 this, this element of second-class citizen status. If I'm working remote, I don't want to feel not included. I don't want to feel like I have to advocate for myself and my work. I don't want to feel like I experience a different work culture. I don't want to feel like my promotion opportunities are hampered. So if you're going to run a hybrid business, you've got to work this out. Yeah. Because, because the people who feel like second-class citizens are going to go to a company that, where they can feel like first-class citizens. Very true. So, yeah. It's great. Like the implications could be just so far that we just don't know yet, you know? Yeah. But it's going on now. I mean, yeah, people, companies are dealing with this right now. Oh yeah. Speak. They're going to, they're doing this right now. I mean, it's, and it doesn't, it seems like there's been a transition in just the way companies think about, you know, I mean, part of that work versus working remotely versus working in an office, you know? Well, yeah. I mean, part of that equation, if you're a manager or an owner or whatnot, that's, that's just human nature. You're going to basically naturally favor the person you actually are seeing and running yeah. in front of you versus someone, someone who you haven't seen in a while. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Brett, going back to the beginning of COVID uh, and you don't have to share too much of your, of the details you, you share with your clients, but what was, what's the one piece of advice you think you gave your clients that worked best for them in maintaining culture while they had all these people working in, in various places? So I was, I was fortunate in that my clients had been working on their culture pre-COVID. So they had assets, they had, they had an all-star, they had values, they had behaviors, they had expected behaviors, they had, this is what's acceptable, this is what not, what's not. And, 
and I, I the, the, literally within two months, I looked at the, uh, the, the Spanish flu and I said, this is going to last for 12 to 18 months. And people didn't believe me. And I said, let's just take that scenario. Assume it's going to last longer than you expect. It's not going to be a three-month thing. How do we behave now? And so, so the the companies that I worked with said, okay, we're gonna we're, we're gonna we're gonna behave as if this is going to last longer. So, what do we need to change? And that was a that's proven to be. What we did is we said, okay, let's choose the things to change that even if we go back to working in an office, it's still worthwhile doing them. And so that mindset has proven out to be very valuable for, for, for companies. So we, 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 started, we started documenting things in a, in, a, in a different way. Most companies pre-COVID documentation was out the window. Yeah. Yeah. And we started in a really, really basic way of moving to asynchronous communication. Yeah. So can we do this without having a meeting? Because very quickly we could see that Zoom fatigue was, was, was happening. So can we do this without a meeting, which meant documentation, which meant how do we set this up so that we don't need to get on a call? And that's be, the asynchronous piece has been much harder, but the documentation piece has been easier because we've, used, we, we've asked everybody to just write down the steps of the most important process to them. And then they own the document, really simple stuff. Yeah. Nothing complicated. Do you think companies could be as successful in with remote working? Well, I, I can tell you that companies, so that the original remote working company was founded in the 1960s by, by, by a woman named Dame Stephanie Shirley in the UK. And there's a, it's a wonderful book and a wonderful story about this lady. She actually, to give an example, she, she, when she, at those days, there was no email really. She'd send letters out. She would, <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, how do you, how did she communicate? She, she would, she would, so Dame Stephanie Shirley, she actually changed her name on her letters to Dame Steve Shirley. Because as a woman, when they saw her name at the bottom of, an, of the letter, they just binned it. But she was building technology that was cutting edge. And she took freelance programmers, which is the original name of the company, and built it into a billion-dollar business way back then. She, she cleared, she, she took 80 million, 80 million pounds herself and gave it all back to the company. She didn't want the money. Wow. The wow. most incredible woman. And actually, so yes, success. If you look at if you look at companies like Automatic. You know, if you look at companies like GitLab, GitLab is a 1,300-person company. Four years ago, they were 100 people. Wow. Okay. So, so yes, it can work. Remote definitely can work, but you've got to build for remote. Yep. You've got to take this, the idea that, that, because the office used to do all the work for us. The four walls of the office used to be our osmosis, our informal communication, et cetera, et cetera. And, and in your remote, you can't afford that. So absolutely. So true. So true. Hybrid's going to be harder. Hybrid's going to be harder. Well, um, as far as prospective uh, clients, businesses that want to work with you, what would you say would be the critical pieces why they should work with an expert like yourself? 
So most of the most of the companies I work with, the CEOs are aware of how important culture is, and they've tried something. So they've defined values, like maybe got a mission and vision, and then they go, "What do we do now? What happens next?" And so that's where it's it's the, the it's I I don't need to I, I'm I actually don't want to spend time convincing somebody about the value of company <laughs> culture. If that has to happen, then, then you're, you're, that's not for you. In my mind, you're still living in a cave. Yeah. Yeah. You must happily live there until you get to the 13th century and then the 20th century and come back. But, but in other words, you've <laughs> done some really good work. You've tried something and it's, and it's, and it's, some of it's working, but you're just going, what do I do now? And then it's about you know, embedding it into the leadership team, embedding it into you as a leader, embedding it into functions and processes and procedures in the organization, and then managing it over time. Brett, so what's the best way for people to find your books, purchase your books and read your books? So, so for Culture Dex Decoded, people can go onto my website, find Culture Dex Decoded and download a free PDF if they would like. They can also get it on Amazon for Own Your Culture. That's available on Amazon. It's available on Kindle and it will shortly be available as an audiobook. Um, but yeah, so people can, um, uh, Amazon's the place to go. Perfect. Nothing, nothing groundbreaking there, huh? No, they, Amazon being the place to go. They do, yeah. they do, they, they do it as well as anybody can. Mm-hmm. They got a they got a really cool model where they l- deliberately limit you from going anywhere else by paying you more to stay. Crazy, huh? Hard to hard to say no to that, right? Yeah. <laughs> so something, Brett, that we just a little fun part of our segment, uh, team business. Ray and I, you know, the whole team. When we think about teams, you know, obviously we think about we talk about teams in business, we talk about culture, but we talk about sports too. Ray and I are big sports fans. I know you're South, you know, born and raised South Africa, lived in the UK. Now you're in Europe. What, what's your what's your sport of choice, man? Are you guys footballers over there or what? No. Uh, so foot footballers are <laughs> overpaid dramatic <laughs> ballerinas. <laughs> uh, I, my 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 choice of sport is rugby. Oh yeah, okay. Yeah, there you go. There, there's a great saying: mm-hmm. football is a gentleman's game played by hooligans, and rugby is a hooligans game played by gentlemen. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> so, big rugby guy. Yeah, yeah. I, I I played played hooker until I injured myself and ended up in hospital with a hole in my leg and decided that Ooh. I was getting a little old for this. So um, yeah, I, I I miss it actually. If 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 I watch the Springboks play rugby, then my children are out of the house. My wife's out of the house. Nobody should interrupt me. And actually, if you're in the vicinity and I use words that you don't like, tough. Yeah. So what team did you reference? Is that a team that? What's your yeah, favorite team? So the Springboks are the, the Springboks are the South African uh, national national side. Got it. Um, and I, I played for Harlequins, which is a club side in South Africa. 
Oh, wow, man. Awesome. Well, yeah, what a tough. I mean, that's yeah, that's pretty hardcore. Talk about like American football with pads and helmets, but rugby with no protection. I yeah, mean, I actually think I actually think American football is oddly more dangerous because you think the pads are going to yep. are going to help you. But in rugby, you either you just take the blow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, seriously, man. But yeah, in American football, like guys tackle with their heads because they think the helmet and, you know, put their heads down. And I noticed in rugby, you guys, it's a lot more of a, you know, technical type of tackle and your heads yeah, are up a lot. And especially now because there's a bunch of concussion issues going on now. They're actually the, the sports being sued oh, uh, man. for oh. concussion because of concussion. So, um, yeah, they're being, they're being really years ago in my time if you hit somebody with a shoulder in the chin it was like great tackle yeah <laughs> so uh mentioned family and uh you know obviously this is a team uh business as well so essentially extension of the team is family and having a, a solid family at home so uh, one question i want to ask you so your life partner who's your best friend if you, if what would be the uh, best uh, trait she would mention about you, and uh, traits you might not be so fond of about you? Wow, I know that's a tough one. That's man. a tough one. <laughs> we like to put you on the spot a little, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm gonna Something. go naked first. Um, so the trait that she wouldn't like about me is that. <laughs> um, I don't take criticism well. Okay. okay. That's something that I'm aware of and something that I'm working on. And actually I married somebody who's, who can be really good at criticism because that's <laughs> the way we roll with this silly stuff. Of love. <laughs> um, and I think the, the, what she would say positive about me is that I am, I am a very good listener and I'm adaptable and I have, have got have become a better engaged person because of this pandemic. There you go. Wow. So there's silver linings. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, no, definitely. All right, Brad. Well, before we wrap up and, uh, you know, thank you again for your time. Anything at the end that you'd like to share with the audience, share with us, share with the viewers uh, regarding uh, company culture, team building, your company, your company, you know, the pandemic. Yeah. I, I just think, I just think that um, now is, you know, there is, I can't remember who said the quote, but you should never, ever, um, you should never, ever miss the opportunities presented by crisis. And this is actually an opportunity to get ahead of it. Yes. We are struggling. Yes. There's anxiety. Yes. There are pressures. Yes. You know, some some businesses have or have been really hard hurt by this. But if your business hasn't been, now is the time to get ahead of this. If you position yourself as a company that has designed a culture for hybrid work that works, it's not just fluff. It's not hot air. You'll be able to pick and choose. You, it, it'll it, you'll literally be able to pitch a completely different opportunity to candidates who are, are you know, the, the people don't want to spend all day on Zoom. They, they want to know how to work properly in this environment. 
So for me, it's it's take advantage, you know, move forward with this. And I know it's not easy, but this is yeah. this is the opportunity. Great piece of advice. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. So thank you guys again for watching us. Uh, Ray and I are thankful. Brett, thanks so much for your yeah, time. Thank you. We really enjoyed it. Great feedback. Great information. Yeah. My pleasure. Mike, Mike and Ray really enjoyed the session. Um, I've uh, I have I have a preference to to talk with. Um, to co-presenters as it were, because there's, there's just that different dynamic and uh, really enjoyed it. Thanks very much. Awesome. Thank you. Appreciate having you. Thank you again for joining Ray and I and Brett, thanks for joining us on Team Business. Remember, search Amazon for Own Your Culture and Culture Decks Decoded to look for Brett's amazing books and follow us along on social media and on our YouTube channel. We hope to see you next time. Thank you. And for, don't forget to support local business. Local business. Thank you.